have two scriptures that I want to share with you uh, this morning. Um, if you want, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm 119, verse 50. And I want to read it, and I want to just kind of explain a little bit and then brag on you guys a little. Of course, Psalm 119 has a lot of verses, um, but this is verse 50. And it just simply says, This is my comfort in my affliction. That your word has revived me. This is my comfort in my affliction. That your word has revived me. And, and when I say what I'm about to tell you. What I'm about to share with you. <laughs> is so true. The, from the moment that we started meeting. As Soma Church. Not even just in Arcadia. But really even in our own living room. What God was doing was comforting the afflicted. My wife and I and, and Sean and Brittany and really all of those around us had just come out of a difficult time in another church situation. Uh, you know how church sometimes can get messy and it can get hurtful and we had come out of a hurtful situation. And so we did a lot of praying, a lot of asking God, Lord, we, we don't want to hurt people the way that we were hurt. We don't want to experience um, that side of it again. But we know that other people have experienced the same things that we've experienced because church can be weird sometimes. How many of you have experienced some sort of like, hurt from the church or from ministry or from the church. Raise your hand. Yeah, there's a lot of us in this room. And the Lord began um, uh, really comforting our hearts. And it's interesting, as we began starting SOMA, that um, when people started coming to our services, we would hear the stories of people and what they've experienced from uh, pastors, ministries, churches, people, um, you know, that old, uh, what is that old expression, uh, sheep bite, you know, some of you have probably been bitten, you know what, unfortunately, all of us have probably bitten others, you know, not literally, but you know what I'm saying, and uh, this was all, um, all part of, of where we were, and we were hearing stories of people coming into Soma and telling their stories, it's like, oh man, and we were able to, to feel their pain, and sympathize, and have compassion, and uh, very quickly, I think the Lord showed Melissa and I that, that we, like she said, we are going to be helping people uh, rediscover not just church, not just church, although that's important for us to rediscover because we can't really live without it, but to rediscover God. Because when you are hurt, our natural reaction is to shy away from that which has hurt us. And so, so many people have shied away from church ministry, um, other people, other believers, and still having a, a, a semblance of, of hanging on to their faith, although it might be as thin as a thread and very, um, very uh, shaky, you know, but very quickly the Lord showed us that these are some of the types of people that you're ministering to. And I think all throughout where we've been um, uh, through the years, the Lord has continued one time, I was standing right back there where Ben is standing. I was, I was standing right there by the door. Uh, a new couple came in, and I literally said, Hey, my name's Tony. And they said, We've been hurt by the church. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Happy now. <laughs> well, we got a support group. Come on. <laughs> and I have a couple of, of, of reasons to bring that up. One, um, I want to brag on the church. Not Soma as much, but God's church. And I'm not going to read it because it will take too long, but I want you to read the book of Ephesians. 
Hang out in chapter 4 where it talks about how we are one body, that we serve one Father, that we belong to one faith. We've participated in the one baptism. You know what I mean? That we have been baptized into Christ. We've been brought into the family of God. And I understand that sometimes church does not feel like family. You've, been experience, you've experienced maybe church settings that doesn't feel like, feel like family. But I want to say that it can feel like family. And for the first time in years, Melissa and I feel like we actually have a family at church. And when we say go around and hug each other, that is not just some little trick that we hope to, um, you know, I don't know, pickpocket you or anything. You know what I mean? Hmm. I didn't think about that, but that was an opportunity. Really. I'm kidding. Um, but it really is our desire. And, and I was thinking about this, thing, this about the church and, and even Soma. You know, Soma has grown and there's, you know, a lot of people here. You know, all the things that we expect church to be, especially after we've been hurt, but um, to have our needs met or to have, um, to see exactly what we want to see. It's like, you know, church can only function in so many ways. And so it's like, how does church function? What is church supposed to be like? Am I supposed to be friends with every person in this room? Am I supposed to, it's like, you know, church life is very simple. You look at the book of Acts and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They met from house to house. They had dinner together. They experienced life together. Not probably every person with every person, but there was these pockets of, of relationships that really gelled and supporting each other. And, and it's, it's hard to explain, isn't it? Why is church important? It's, it's hard to explain, except that, like Melissa said, it's the fullness of Christ. Even though I may not fully know everyone, I don't even know that we're designed to fully know everyone like that. Our heads would explode, you know what I mean? But you connect with certain people in the body, and they have the ability to encourage you and build you up. And and you have the ability to encourage and build them up. And there's this, there's this uh, synergy that happens. And there's this, um, there's this support system that happens. And even though, you know, even though Jared may not know Vance, or Vance may not know James, or James may not know Ken, and they may not have um, weekly coffee meetings and all this stuff, there's a time and a point in, in maybe Jared's life where something's going on. And whether Vance knows him personally or not, there's prayers that are going forth. There's support. Maybe there's even financial strains that he's able to help. And that has happened here at Soma. And it's, it's just so great. So you read scriptures like this. This is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. And I'm thinking about just the way that, that Soma Church has loved on each other and has truly tried to be the body of Christ. Truly. Are we perfect in it? No. But Soma has been a place for Melissa and I personally to feel the comfort in affliction. And if you notice, he goes on to say, this is my comfort in my affliction, that your word has revived me. Melissa and I and, and, the, and the crew from the very beginning have said, you know what, we're not going to create a monstrosity here. We're not going to create a kingdom. We're not going to programize ourselves to death. We just want to live life together. We just want life to beg for more structure and more life, not just put something together and see if we can fill it with people. It's never been our heart. You know? And, and so um, we've really tried to, to, um, to build, if you, and I, I say that loosely because we're not trying to build anything except for the body, but we've tried to build around the Word of God because no program that I could start, no perfect life group, no perfect Bible study, no perfect, you know what I mean, will, will revive someone. It's the Word of God that can do that. 
And this word revive really stuck out to me as I was kind of pondering this because the stories that we hear, people that are, are literally um, lifeless when it, when it comes to uh, church and God. In fact, um, I'm not, I don't think he's here this morning, but there was a guy, uh, I don't think he stayed, but there was a guy this morning that came in, you guys, walking around in our midst. And he, he left because um, he had to go find work. But he literally said, I haven't stepped foot in the church in years. I was kind of like, well, what are you doing here now? This is interesting. But he made his way in here. I don't know. Maybe he smelled the cupcakes. I don't know. <laughs> but he came in and he just shared, you know, I've been a part of churches where there's just so much hypocrisy. And, and just starts telling the typical story that we hear. And it's sad to hear that. It makes you angry. It's like, why does it have to be that way? You know? And I thought, that man right there is someone that needs to be resuscitated in the faith. And I thought about, I was thinking about this actually a few weeks ago, about how Soma, uh, and I don't know if this is the right word, but Soma has been somewhat of a defibrillator. Is that the right word? You know, for people. People that have been lifeless as it relates to um, church and the Lord. And it's not like, it's not like they, uh, they don't have a desire to know God or, or anything. It's just like what they've experienced, this accident, this tragedy has caused them to be laid out on a table, lifeless, no heartbeat, no breath, no pulse as it relates to God in the church. And I think Soma has been able to play. I'm, I'm bragging on you guys. Soma has been able to revive people. Some of you are sitting in this, in this place today because you've come in, and I don't, it's hard to explain how or what, but it's been a defibrillator. It's like it's giving you a jolt. It's like, oh man, God, life, people, church. Again, not that we're perfect, but we sure are aiming to be. I don't know if that's a bad aim. It says, your word has revived me. And again, I don't know that it's so much what we do or the amount of talent that circulates in this place as much as it is, it's just the word. Your word has revived me because we put a priority on the word we teach the word we share the word we hold people accountable to the word this is my comfort in my affliction and i believe that there's many people that have been afflicted in different ways and not just church hurts life hurts sicknesses illnesses relational damage all kinds of stuff and the lord has been comforting people has been reviving people has been bringing people back to life by the power of his word. Word that is preached and taught from the pulpit. Word that comes forth prophetically, encouraging people from his word. It's not just this platform that, that the word is delivered. You know, I hear people speaking life over each other. Well, man, I, just, I hate to hear, you that, hear that. Well, I want to tell you that God has a plan for you. He hasn't given up on I mean, the stuff that you hear, it's, just not this, it's not just this platform and this platform of teaching. It's you guys sharing the word pouring the word, speaking life in God's word prophetically as encouragements over people that are reviving people. It's like every time the word is spoken over and encouraged and, and taught, it's like one more, whatever they call that, you know? What is that? The Heimlich. No, not the Heimlich. The, the chest compression, defibrillator, CPR, you know? LOL. <laughs> so... And I could go on and on and on, and I, I won't. 
But let me just say this, and this is, I want to move to the next scripture. Before I do, I want to say this. Many of you in this room, whether it's been through Soma or maybe another church, because I think other churches have that desire and anointing on them as well. Many of you are alive in Christ again. Many of you are, have been revived, you know, and, and maybe it's through the ministry and the people of this church. Maybe it's somewhere else and you've come in at a great time and you're here and you're revived. But most of us, I would say many of us, I would hope to say all of us are just alive and we're living the life and we're inspired to live that life worthy of the calling and we're wanting to go out all out for Jesus and we're wanting to give our lives to him and to his body and to build up one another and to raise godly families and have kids that love the Lord and all that stuff. I'm hoping that this morning this is the group of people that is sitting here. If you think that just might be you, just kind of give a slight nod. Kind of give a Fonzie, a. Well, let me share the second verse with you. It's in first, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. And before I share it, remember we're in, a, we're in a teaching series called Be Found Faithful. And it's actually more of a theme for the whole year. You know, who we want to be and, and things that we must have in our head and in our heart and in our lives and our actions in order to be found faithful before the Lord. I've talked about how there's a lot of people, even now, of course the Word says this would happen, people that are walking away from the faith, people that are leaving, people that are wigging out in the faith, people that aren't standing true and faithful to God's Word and to follow Him. And our aim for this year and for the rest of our lives, for sure, is to be people that are found faithful, that we're not going to wig out by circumstances or um, trials or whatever. We're going we're to stay faithful in the Lord. And so we've had different... We're actually going through the book of Jude. And this morning we're not going to be in the book of Jude. Because here's what I wanted to share this verse. In light of the fact that we are a people who have been revived. We are a people that are alive. That the hope is in us. The hope of glory, Christ Jesus himself. Here's what it says in verse 3. 2 Corinthians verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Father of mercies and God of all comfort who comforts us in our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that which we ourselves are comforted by God. Part of being found faithful, part of stewarding what God has given us. We've been talking about that word stewarding. God's given us so much, you know, Another thing that we are to steward is this life that he has given us. This comfort in affliction. Because here's the truth. Just like the man that came in this morning, and just like some of you that have come in here, you've come in here afflicted. Maybe it's hurts from the church, maybe it's other circumstances, but you're in a state of affliction, which just means there's, there's difficult things that have happened. There's things that have set you back. There's things that have held you back. Maybe something is as simple as um, a, a hurt or a simple trial. Maybe something as simple as major bondage, major even addiction in your life. But somehow you're in this process of being comforted. Your affliction is being comforted by God, by His Holy Spirit, by the power of His Word. You're being alive again. You're being revived. And according to Paul, in the second letter that he wrote to the Corinthians, he said, 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions. That lines up with Psalms 119.50. And then he says, so that we will. The reason God comforts us, not only because he loves us, he cares for us deeply, because we are his sheep. He has compassion towards all he has made, the scripture says. But also so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And my challenge this morning is part of being the body, part of being the church, part of being found faithful, part of stewarding what, you, um, what God has given you is to be a part of comforting those who are, are being afflicted. Be a part of helping others to be revived, to be resuscitated, to be defibrillated, you know, to bring them back to life. Not that you are the one that does it, but you have the life of Christ in you, like Melissa was saying this morning. Now, there's practical ways. All that I don't know that we have time to go through all the practical ways of how we can be a part of resuscitating someone back to life. I think it first starts with love, acceptance, forgiveness, which is something that we talk a lot about around here. Just loving people where they're at. First thing that that man said this morning when he came in, I said, hello, how are you? He said, good. I don't think I belong here. I was like, well, what are you looking for? He said, no, I don't think I belong in church. It's literally what he said. It's like, well, why would you not belong in church? And he started talking about how bad he is. It's like, well, it sounds like he might be in the right place, man. <laughs> and we started talking. But you realize there's people that think that? Whatever affliction has caused that kind of guilt, condemnation, which is not from the Lord, so we know who's, who's, uh, who's tickling his ears. Whatever has caused that, we have the ability to say, you know what? And I'm not sure what you've done, but I'm not sure I care. How are you? Love them. Accept them. And by loving and accepting them, I think eventually people are able to walk in the forgiveness of the Lord and no longer feel the condemnation that comes from the enemy, but start experiencing the conviction of the Holy Spirit and repenting and changing their lives and being people that become alive and start going and helping other afflicted people. Amen? And it's, again, we could, there's a thousand types of sermons that we could preach on that. But just very simply put, we have been comforted. My, this is my comfort in my affliction that your word has revived me. I'm alive again. I'm alive. You guys are alive. And that comfort that we've received in our time of affliction, according to Paul, was partly so that we will be able to comfort those who are in affliction now with the same comfort by which God comforted us. Very simply put. Amen? Just reaching out. It's interesting how hard it is to reach out to people wherever you're at. Sean Kirkpatrick and I were visiting... Oh, we were visiting Lawan during one of her surgeries. Uh, the day that we were visiting you in the hospital, when you went in and 
Actually, on our way in, I noticed that there was this girl, these two girls over there, and one was crying. I was like, man, I wonder what's going on there. But we went in and saw and prayed for Luan. And on our way out, we're heading out, and uh, I just happened to glance over, and sure enough, she was still there. And I just, I didn't even, I wasn't like, okay, it was just like, about face. And I went right over there, and I said, what's your name, and what's wrong with you? You know? <laughs> and she had told me that, that her husband um, had just cheated on her with her best friend. No, it was her sister. She literally had just, just found out, right, Sean? Like five minutes, ten minutes, well, probably 30 minutes since before. I mean, we're talking deep affliction, people. She's like, ah! And so I said, can we pray for you? And so we started praying for her, Sean and I. And afterwards, Sean had a word for her and gave her a really powerful word that I, I was like, dang, dude. What were you sipping this morning? Because that was good. Right there, right then and there, there was an about face. Sean and I went over and, and, and ministered and comforted this girl with the very comfort that we ourselves have been comforted with. You guys, you know just like I do, there's opportunities like that all around us. Every day, all around us. And I think like Melissa said, um, the being the fullness of the church, it's not that we ourselves are the answer. It's just that we powerfully possess the answer. And I don't know what happened to this lady, but I know that one day there was these two guys that just passed by and noticed that she was crying and began praying God's power and love over her and then prophesying over her. What does that mean? It means that we planted a seed. And I pray, whenever I think about her, I pray that somebody will come along and water that seed. And fortunately, it's not my responsibility to bring about the, the harvest. Some sow, some water, but it's the Lord that brings about the harvest. Amen? But our prayer is that, Lord, capture her. So my challenge is, uh, is for us as a, as, a, uh, as a church, we're not celebrating five years of buildings, five years of programs, are we? We're celebrating five years of life, of life. And last night we were at the uh, Valentine banquet, and I'll end with this, but we were at the Valentine banquet, and we were play, uh, playing the newlywed game, and you can learn a lot about people. <laughs> and after that, we, um, we had some people, uh, we drew numbers, everybody had a number, we drew numbers, and if we drew your number, um, the first four or five had to share their, uh, how they met, how the couples met, and those were interesting stories. And then after that, um, we drew some more numbers, and the people that we drew their numbers had to share their, um, their proposal story, how he, or, yeah, he <laughs> proposed. <laughs> And, uh, and it was just, we're just, Melissa and I are listening to these stories, and I'm listening to these stories, and, and I was reminded, I, I told this last night, but I was reminded of a, a book that I just read by Eugene Peterson. He's the guy that wrote the message version of the Bible. It's called The Pastor. Um, John Gray is one of our overseers had given it to me. He said, you, you need to read this. And it's basically um, Eugene Peterson telling the story of how he became a pastor. You know, and he says, you know, a lot of who we become is, it depends upon um, kairos and topos place and time, you know? 
And it's about where you're at, where you plant yourself, where you allow yourself to be, and the time that God takes to make you into who you are. And he talks about all this stuff. But he goes into lots of details about being a pastor and this, and it's great. But one thing that he said several times in several different chapters is that um, I love the preaching, I love the ministry, but more than anything else, I love the stories. I love the stories of people. I loved hearing these stories. And then upon meeting them, I love that now I am a part of their stories and we're living lives together. And that's, to me, what church is. Living life together makes the sermons come alive. Amen? Let's stand. And what I'd like for us to do this morning um, is just hold hands across this place. And I know some of you are visitors and you're like, what is going on? I was hugged really hard this morning. But if you're visiting with us, I tell you, um, maybe the Lord brought you here this morning for nothing else to give you a little bit of, a, of comfort in your affliction. Maybe you're in a place of, of difficulty and struggle, affliction, however you want to call it. And the Lord brought you here this morning, nothing more than for you to experience a little bit of comfort and hear some stories and to be challenged to go and comfort others. Maybe he's, maybe he's calling you into a season of life to, to connect with a, a group of believers into a body to where you can experience life and walk life alongside of, of some other people. People that will pray for you and support you and build you up and call you down. <laughs> That's part of church, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> call you down. But that's okay too, isn't it? So why, however you're here, whyever you're here, some of you have been here for a long time, some of you this is your first time, um, regardless of, of how long you'll be here, this morning, for a season or for life, uh, I pray that you would always receive comfort when affliction comes. And it may be through a, just a powerful teaching message, preaching. I mean, just like, <laughs> just hits right exactly where you need it, with just fire and power. Or it may come just through somebody's hug, through an encouraging word, through a, through a coffee date where you were able to share something that you've never told anybody and they didn't laugh at you or run or hit you. They hugged you again. Amen? I pray that that's what we all find. And my wife and I found that. And we're not perfect. We fail every day. But man, we sure have uh, the desire to, to live this life and walk it out as perfectly as we can. And when we fall, you people are the ones that pick us back up. And I pray that my wife and I and the other staff and others can be people that pick you up. Amen? So this might be a little Rocky-esque, but uh, grab your hands and then lift them up. <laughs> okay, hit that theme song. No, I'm kidding. bum ba da bum Marvin and I watched every Rocky this week on vacation. It was on Rocky, Rocky, movie, movie. That's what, this is, whatever, anyway. So, um, if only we had stairs to climb. Okay. Well, Lord, I need a hand to hold. Okay. Lord, we know that we're standing in your presence this morning. And we're gathered in your name. 
And as believers, we have the Holy Spirit living in us. Your divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness. Lord, thank you that you have plans for each and every one of us. Plans plans to prosper us, not to harm us. Plans for a hope and a future. Lord, you've given us all comfort. And you've called us all to comfort those who are also afflicted. You've given us the ministry of reconciliation. You've called us to be salt and light. You've called us to be witnesses to your kingdom, to your gospel, to your salvation. And Lord, we ask right now for um, just a special dose of, of anointing, of courage, Lord, of your power. Lord, you said that you, uh, when the Holy Spirit comes, we will receive power to be your witnesses. We pray for the very power that you said that we will receive. Lord, we ask that the gifts of the Holy Spirit would flow in us, Lord, that prophetic words will come, words of knowledge, words of wisdom. Lord, that you would give people the discerning of spirits. Lord, that you would give people um, tongues that will be able to lead people to Christ and, and to engage in personal prayer with you. Lord, we pray that, you would, um, that we would see miracles in our midst and healings in our midst. Everything that you have, Lord, we don't, we don't um, um, cry for anything less than everything you have. And we cry out, Lord. Our souls long for you, Lord. You are life. You are life. In you we live and move and have our being. Apart from you, we can do nothing. So we ask that you would, um, this morning as we bless you, as we lift our arms in the air to bless your name, we ask that you would bless us and that you would keep us and that you would make your face to shine upon us, Lord. I pray uh, comfort over everyone that is in this place. I pray that you would keep everyone close and everyone in this place would have a desire to push through pain, to push through affliction, to rest in the hope that you've provided in us, to persevere, to be found faithful. And we pray this in the powerful, precious, holy name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Son of God, who sits at the right hand of the Father, still making intercession for us, rooting us on, cheering us on. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who is the Comforter and who is the Counselor. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Are you guys encouraged this morning? (laughs) I'm sorry. You okay? (laughs) So how many of you just relaxed your arms and were being held up? But see, that's part of it. When you're hurting, when you can't hold your arms up, we hold your arms up for you. All right, well, happy birthday, Soma. Happy anniversary, whatever.